Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I'm here with Rob. We're on the call. Rob, you're on vacation this week. Just finished your finals. How do you feel? How's it going? How's Roanoke? Roanoke's good, man. Good to get back in Virginia. Uh, probably the longest time in my life being outside of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So it's good to be back here for a little bit. Start second mod next week. Uh Good vibes at UNC right now, man. Drake May looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Armando Baycott, ACC preseason player of the year. A lot of number one votes for mm-hmm. UNC. So yeah, preseason yeah. number one in the AP poll. Looking yeah. good. You gotta do you get student tickets to basketball games? Yeah, it's just like UVA where it's a lottery system. So okay. but yeah, we technically do get tickets. Enter your name, man. I mean, those those games should be fun this year. I know. Hopefully, and, at, at minimum, we're going to make the UVA game. Yeah, and uh, the UVA games should be fun this year. Uh, yeah. And you know what, Rob? I'm I'm almost to the point where it's just solely basketball season. I'm very close. Uh, the football, you know, with the football team being off this week, it felt it felt good. It felt like I didn't Dude, have to just free. Yeah, I like I didn't I wasn't sad, I wasn't frustrated. There were no drop passes. Um there were no weird calls on first down. So, you know, good vibes this weekend with UVA and by. But we're going to talk a little football today. And, you know, honestly, there's not much that we haven't said already about this team, but you know, we're going to try and stay <laughs> stay a little positive. Um and then we will talk basketball. The blue-white scrimmage happened this past Saturday. Neither of us were there, but there's some. We had boots on the ground, so we'll talk about some things that my dad saw and some of our other friends saw too. So we'll get all of that into it. Uh, but let's start with football first. So UVA plays uh, Georgia Tech this Thursday night. Now I was just lamenting to Rob that it's the same time as the Saints. So. Uh, I'm hoping one of them wins because otherwise I'll be doubly sad and uh, not really looking forward to sucky football teams again. I feel you, man. But with UVA playing Georgia Tech this Thursday, you know, Georgia Tech has an interim head coach. Uh, Coach was fired in the middle of the season. Rob, knowing what we know about our team and – just coming off a bye week, what do you think, if anything, uh, any changes we might see going into this Thursday night? Yeah, changes are going to be interesting. They're going to be tough to come by, though, honestly. I mean, I think offensively, there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, changes, hopefully the receivers stop dropping balls. You know, I think yeah. they dropped, I saw like 30 some balls this year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully we see some improvement there. I think on the offensive line, you're hoping you see steady improvement throughout the season. 
but the offensive line, it's not like you're going to flip a switch and it's going to get better. Um, you know, I think Ty Furnish at center has some size limitations that are holding him back. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll see more of Jets as Johnson, you know, hopefully uh, Leach with his hand, hopefully he's will be a bit more steady at right tackle, but the offensive line isn't going to fix itself overnight. So I think there's limited things that this offense can really do to change things up. Now, defensively, I think they're in a little bit of a bind right now. You know, Josh Ahern is out at one linebacker position, or at least he's expected to be out. Uh, Nick Jackson is working his way back from a knee injury. So it sounds like he's going to be on a snap count. So you're going to be playing with a lot of backup linebackers as this team has the previous few weeks. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens at safety. They've been rotating in a lot of guys at safety, uh, particularly against Louisville. Um, so, you know, Donovan Johnson got his first real rep from scrimmage, uh, subbing in for Lex Long. So we'll see if, you know, one plays more than the other there. I think the defensive line you're overall pretty happy with, but, you know, I think you're running out of depth on the edge. You know, Jack Camper has been banged up. So Chico Bennett has played a lot, but, They've only had one sack after in the past two games. You know, they really need to bring more pressure uh, and get home to the quarterback. So I guess you're hoping that's one of the things you see, but they've been overall pretty successful in forcing turnovers. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of the problem with the season is there's no one thing that's going to happen. That's going to flip the switch. I think defensively, they're probably a middle of the pack to slightly above average defense, which is a vast improvement over they were the past two seasons. Uh, but offensively, you know, you're dealing with a lot of limitations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that's why you pay these coaches the big bucks. Is yeah. there anything you want to see? I mean, I, I'd like to see some more points being scored by the offense. As you said, the drops by the wide receivers have really been. Re- I, I just don't get it. I, at this point, I don't get it anymore. I think that the drops have been really, really, and some really bad ones too. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, you know, Wicks has had drops. Uh, Lavelle Davis had drops. Uh, Thompson really is the only one that hasn't dropped many balls this year, but he he's also had a few. And but you know, he's the only one that seems to be able to get anything going on a consistent basis on the edge and and on those some some quick routes where he can move and get open. But you know, Wicks had a nice deep ball in the last game to, to put us ahead 10, 10, uh, 10, zero. But after that, it was just pretty much nothing from the offense. And so I feel like consistency is something I want to see because the offense has shown that they can do it. You think about that really great third quarter against Syracuse. Think about the, some of the touchdown drives that we've had in these games, but they haven't put it together for four quarters much less two quarters in a game and so i'd like to see consistency throughout at least a half if not a full game because we know the talent's there the talent is there at quarterback uh brennan you know i and you know whatever is going through his head is is a little inexplicable i know the with the offensive line troubles and no time in the pocket and he's telegraphing stuff we've all we've talked about this a bunch but he 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 has tried to step up in the past couple of weeks and his receivers and running backs haven't always been there to step up to and the offensive line as well has been banged up moving around not not consistent players so i think consistency is the word for for the offense going into georgia tech I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Consistency is the perfect word right there. Um, And like you said, it comes from everywhere. You know, the receivers, obviously the drops is the easy thing to point to, but I I think they got to be better in route running. I think they got to be better in pass or in uh, run blocking. So I think all of the above checks there. The offensive line, to your point, man, I mean, it'd be great if they could settle on a center. I mean, center is one position where, I really do not want to rotate guys center no. is the most important position when it comes to line calls and whatnot. So I think, and I mean, frankly, that's why Ty Furnish is uh, playing really, you know, he's mm-hmm. struggling physically, you know, ideally that guy has another year, two years to gain weight, 
but he's playing because he's so smart on the line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you can't hold up, you can't hold up. So it makes things difficult. So I think across the board on the offensive line, you want to see more consistency, I would say, in the personnel, but certainly in the execution as well. Um, And quarterback, man, you know, Brennan Armstrong has had some good moments this season, Mm -hmm. but the dude is just constantly running from his life. You know, it seems like even if he has a clean pocket, he's throwing off his back foot. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it hard. I will say one throw that did concern me was uh, an interception he had against Louisville where he tried to throw deep to Dontavion Wicks. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if he didn't see the safety or thought he could get the ball in there before the safety, but either way, it was just a bad throw, one that shouldn't have been made. So he's had his moments, but like he said, I mean, he's, he's got improved too. And I think turnovers are a big thing. And again, I know he's running for his life, but he's had several fumbles this year on scrambles. And mm-hmm. that's something that's got to improve as well. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. I think consistency can improve and it's a slim margin for air. You know, these guys are only going to get so many opportunities you know, mm-hmm. it's not a big explosive play offense like we had last year, really in the second half of 2020. This is an offense that is going to have to inch their way down the field. Yeah. And I've told you, I don't like offenses like this, yeah. but it's what we have this year. And I, I think consistency is a good word. And I don't think there's going to be any like game changers or anything per se. Like I'm not expecting this offense to quote unquote click all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have to wait for next year for that. But yeah, you know, if they can get consistent, maybe they can get one or two more wins than they would have otherwise. But, you know, that's a whole different story when we start counting wins here, because we are at two and four at the halfway point of the season. And bowl hopes are certainly on the line this weekend uh, against Georgia Tech. Hey, you know, the the first half was the easy half of the schedule. That's the other thing is that it just gets harder from here. And, you know, Georgia Tech isn't seen as a team that, is any good they had they don't have a coach right now and they're kind of in turmoil too i mean next year they're going to be doing another rebuild from scratch but you know this uva team is all over the place in terms of talent we should beat georgia tech but uh right now we're coming out as uh i think we were four point underdogs last time i looked but yeah it's just it's just tough because because we've said this so many times it's just frustrating it's frustrating because of what we saw last year so many guys on offense minus the offensive line so many guys came back from that offensive group that set records at uva and they look nothing like their old selves and it's not just brennan yeah brennan's also made some bad throws as you said interceptions bad I, i think back to the interception against syracuse where he waited probably two seconds too long to throw it to Grant Mish on the tight end seam route. And it was just right. The safety like walked into catching that ball. So Brennan's making decisions to try and make plays, which are leading to more turnovers, more mistakes. It's just all over the place. I, I think that at this point, you know, if we don't beat Georgia tech, it's, you know, you, I don't know how, I don't know if there's another win on the table if you lose to Georgia Tech. I I mean, I think I think it's pretty much I think it's pretty much done at that point. Well, you know what the ironic thing is? It's probably the worst team left on our schedule is yeah. Virginia Tech. Yeah. And... Well, oh, we're going to we're going <laughs> to lose we'll, we'll so bad. We'll just leave that one out. <laughs> we're going to we're going to I'm not even going to watch. That that game is we're going to lose. It's going to be we're gonna probably going to get killed, honestly. Or, you know, it's going to be like the um I forget the year. I think it was 2012. At we were at Tech, and there was a botched um, uh, timing timeout situation by Mike London. And yeah, we iced uh, the kicker three timeouts in a row. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it was. It's gonna be like that where it's an awful game. We're gonna be up late. We're gonna win, lose in heartbreak fashion. That's that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, I can so. feel it. <laughs> if it makes us feel any better virginia tech is as down right now as we are especially seeing hendon hooker beat alabama my yeah. cousin goes to virginia tech and i don't think they're too happy about that right now but the thing is is tech wasn't that good last year either no although we yeah. had the same record yeah we both six and six yeah look look their defense was better than our defense <laughs> 
but their offense wasn't good and they don't they didn't have the same kind of like hype coming in you know like they didn't have a quarterback the quarterback with the most touchdowns in virginia history uh coming back so it you know that's kind of like this is a little kind of out there but it'd be like if mike vick came back for another season at tech and just like sucked and like couldn't hold on to the ball and everyone's like what is he doing you know i i I, it's now i'm not saying brennan's michael vick in college but it it feels like we had the star quarterback and he's just really a different player this year and it's different system offensive line problems but uh kind of really i i really wouldn't i didn't expect this at all so uh weird season weird season yeah and uh, speaking of brennan armstrong i do feel bad for him man like we said we he hasn't been perfect this year he hasn't he's made mistakes and i think the mistakes he's made are why he ultimately chose to come back to college the mistakes Mm -hmm. he made are the ones that nfl scouts have pointed out and said hey we're not so sure about this now that guy is a great player has everything it takes to succeed at this level and the next, I think, but obvious growing pains this year. But I will say, man, against Louisville, there were some times where he was visibly frustrated and whether Mm -hmm. he was frustrated at himself, at the receivers for the drops, at the offensive line for giving him no time. I don't know, but that was, you know, we know Brennan Armstrong is fiery and he gets fired up after plays and we know all that, but that was the first time I'd really seen him, you know, really upset with the on-field results. Mm-hmm. Now it was a heat of the moment stuff probably. Um, but I think he's so important to this team right now and maybe too important to this team, you know, yep. he needs some help and Tony Elliott has said so, but I'm really, really hopeful. He's able to get these guys going, man, because I know this isn't the senior season he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. He talked all year about, you know, all off season. He wanted to come back to, when double digit games that he was a 500 quarterback, he went five and five and then six and six the past two years. And mm-hmm. they had all these lofty expectations and obviously they haven't gotten anywhere close to achieving them. So mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful, you know, he's able to rally these guys. Consistency, I think is a great word. Um, but hopefully we see some big plays, man, because Brennan Armstrong, you know, he's been here for five years you know, he's been so important to this team. Even as a backup, everyone loved him. We love Bryce mm-hmm. Perkins, but we still love Brendan Armstrong when he was the backup to Bryce Perkins because he delivered. Yeah. He had some great moments. So yeah, I, I just really want them to get some momentum going, man. It, it kills me seeing these guys, all the effort they put in and for so long just having to struggle through this season the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been tough, but, you know, we'll we'll find a way. I, I want to say at... I want to compare Bronco and and uh, Tony Elliott real quick because because we talked about you mentioned the coaching staff and how they they're talking about Brennan needs help and everything like that. At this point in Broncos' first season, it was twenty sixteen. Uh, six games in, do you remember or can you guess the the record of the team after six games? I think we're two and four, right? Yeah, exactly. Two and four. Yeah. Uh, we went on to lose every single game after that. And, uh, but they did have an ACC win that season against Duke, which was on the road. So, you know, that was also a tough year. Um, you know, changing coaches, changing strategies is difficult. I think that, you know, at, at that time we had um, another talented quarterback uh, who's, currently in the NFL, Ben Kurt, who Kurt Ben Kurt, who uh, had a pretty good season. You know, he, he was throwing, he had some deep balls, made some mistakes, but uh, we had a talented uh, group of wide receivers. You know, we had uh, Alameda Zacchaeus who was there. We had uh, Donnie Dowling, uh, Smoke Mizell was there as well. We had talented players on the field couldn't get it together and of course the next season we go six and six and make a bowl game for the first time in forever so i think it's important to remember that you know the bronco stuff worked out eventually i'm 
hopeful Tony Elliott will work out eventually too. Uh, I think it's just switching coaches is tough. And the way that they switched, the way that Bronco left and Tony Elliott comes in with all of Bronco's players, it's tough as well. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting looking at both seasons, seeing how similar they are. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, you could write a book on the Bronco first year and compare it to the Elliott first year. You know, there's so many dynamics there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Bronco first year in hindsight, you know, I think we've kind of romanticized it a little bit, two and 10 and the the growth to nine and three. You know, Mm -hmm. you're right. That first year was rough. Although I will say in fairness, Kurt Benkert had never been a full-time starter before he came to UVA mm-hmm. was like eight or nine months removed from ACL surgery. He was a dramatically different quarterback in 2017 than he was yeah. in 2016. But uh, yeah, I mean, coaching changes are tough, man. They are. I mean, I think we all hoped that this would be a really smooth transition and, you know, at least as far as the record wise hasn't been so far. We'll yeah. see. Uh, one other point I will make is, you know, our good buddy Sean Crow pointed this out to me today, actually. Uh, the schedule has been tougher in the early season than I think we anticipated or maybe that we give it credit for. You know, mm-hmm. Illinois is a ranked team. They're pretty good right now. Uh, you know, if you look at um, Duke, Duke is a lot better than what they were expected to be. Syracuse, obviously, no one was expecting them to be undefeated right now. Yeah. So I think the schedule is tougher than we gave it credit for. Now, back half of the schedule i mean that's where the meat is that's where the acc schedule is the rivalries and whatnot but uh you know in fairness to tony Elliott, now i'm not saying two and four we're happy right now but i do think the front half of the schedule was probably a little more difficult than we all anticipated coming in yeah i i agree with that and i think you're definitely right i think that with the with the schedule you know but you know honestly the back half is the same thing right it doesn't get easier no I mean a little bit, but like Georgia Tech, they're not good, but it's it's in Atlanta. It's, I don't know how how it's a Thursday night game. So yeah, you know, people get weird things happen on Thursday night. Miami is better than us, probably. North Carolina looks really good this season. You know, Drake May's been having a fabulous, fantastic season. Kind of like kind of the season that we kind of thought Brennan might have. Uh yeah, exactly. a lot of t- yeah. a lot of touchdowns, big throws limited turnovers pit is uh pit is you know not as good as they as people thought they might be but certainly a good team coastal carolina you know great uh great non-power five team and then tech is uh almost as bad as we are but uh currently they are worse well their record's worse than us they're two and five so they haven't had their buy yet. <laughs> Maybe their buy is this week. That. I don't know, actually. Yeah, I, I actually don't know when their buy is, but the history speaks for itself in that rivalry. Uh-huh. So we'll just, we won't say anything about that until Virginia might or might not win, I guess. No. We'll, we'll let that one play out. But yeah, no, I mean, it's tough. And we're not really trying to make a point here other than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure what they really can do to improve. Do you really get back to our con- first question? Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful for Tony Elliott. You know, I think, I think he probably thought this was going to be easier than what it's turned out to be. I don't think yeah. he was expecting to walk into this situation. You know, he was talking a lot about buy-in too. I'm not, I'm not sure how much I buy all of that. You know, if we're being honest, I, I haven't seen anything to make me think that there's a consensus of people that aren't bought into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they had, there were very plenty of opportunities for players to transfer out and, players that did transfer all transferred out before the coaching change was made. And, you know, players could have transferred out after spring ball and mm-hmm. no one did. Uh, so, you know, it's just tough, man. And I think it's, there's a reason coaching changes are hard. You know, some guys can come in and really hit the ground running, but most of the time, this is kind of the norm. The expectation is that coaching changes take time. Now, yeah. you know, we're not going to make this a referendum after six games. I think, there's some things to be somewhat concerned about, some things that you can still be kind of hopeful about, but that's why you got to play at least the second half of the season, and yeah. we'll take it from there. But I think Georgia Tech is a big game for them, without question. You know, mm-hmm. 
you have to go four and two in the back half of the schedule. So some would say a must-win game, a must-win I mean, game against Georgia Tech. <laughs> we're basically there, man. Like yeah. not to start counting wins, but you can do that, and it's pretty clear <laughs> who you need to beat. Oh, I'm not. I'm not counting anything. I mean, this. This. I just. At this point, like two loss, three losses takes us out, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you're looking at the schedule. It's like Miami, I see three in a row, Miami, North Carolina, Pitt, Coastal, four in a row, five in a row with Tech. So there's five that I, that we probably lose. This might be the last win of the season. Uh, I mean, Tech is really bad. So, but I'm never going to go there. Rob, I've got three, <laughs> three questions for you. Okay. Um, one, speaking of tech, if we, if we beat tech this season, it's the only other win this season, we go three and three and nine. Is it a successful season? No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you wanted to say yes. I saw I it in your eyes. I want to be yeah. tech, but no, this season, um, Again, they can turn it around and go six and zero in the back half of the schedule, and maybe we'll look like idiots. But no, maybe. I think there's been growing pains that were worse than we expected. I mean, the offensive line, you know, to be fair, no one thought they were going to be a strength coming into the season. I think mm-hmm. the offensive line has been uh, underwhelming, you know, mm-hmm. to say the least. I, I don't think anyone expected it to to face the type of growing pains that we're facing. The receivers have not lived up to the expectations they have. You know, if we want to give some positives here, I think overall the defensive line has been pretty good. And I think Mm -hmm. the cornerbacks, specifically Anthony Johnson and Fentrell Cypress, have been excellent. I think they've been really, really good. But no, this this was not the sixth season. And, you know, there were a lot of talks about nine wins, ten wins. You know, I don't think you needed to hit that to be successful. But uh, look, some people on this this podcast said – something along the lines of 10 wins. So, <laughs> I think I six or seven wins would have been reasonable expectations. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think wins? we're going to hit that. Uh, if you get a win over tech, that's great. But no, I, I don't think that would make it a successful season. I can't believe you said 10 wins at the beginning of the season. <laughs> how, how crazy of you? Yeah. No. And, and also <laughs> next question okay. um, on ESPN right now. Who do you think the ESPN matchup predictor has winning the Virginia-Virginia Tech game? And what is the percentage? Ooh, I I will guess Virginia Tech since it's in Blacksburg, but I'll say like 52% in favor of Virginia Tech. It currently has Virginia winning with a 50.6% to win. How about that, man? And, yeah. You know, you the little things you'll take. Um, and then last question: Do you think if Brennan had transferred, because you know he had he was kind of in no man's land after Bronco left? There was talk of him going to the NFL, staying in the draft. There was talk of him maybe transferring to another school. I have it on good authority that Notre Dame reached out and offered Brennan a place on their team. Do you think Brennan, if he goes to a different team, is uh, as successful there as he was at UVA last year? Based on like based on what we've seen this year, because the the system is different, right? He has still has to change yeah, systems. Exactly. Notre Dame has a better offensive line, but you know he'd be in a different offensive system. Is is he as successful? And does his stock rise? Because uh, right now it's falling. I, I think it's falling pretty pretty steadily. But do you think he's more successful at a different place? Yeah, I mean, it depends how you define successful. Um, Numbers-wise, it's tough to beat what you did last year. It it just really is. Very few people can have the type of seasons he had last year from a completions, yards, touchdowns perspective, rushing touchdowns even, too. Um, I mean, as far as NFL stock, yeah, I think he has a chance to improve. And I think you've seen improvement throughout this season. You know, he's making some reads. He's making Mm -hmm. some throws that maybe he wasn't going to make last year, even week one of this year. But I do think his stock would be better (laughs) if he were somewhere else, honestly, Um, because he'd have more opportunities to make plays. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're running for your life every play, you can't get in in a rhythm. Uh, You can't step into your throws. 
And even when he delivers good balls, half the time they're not being caught. So yeah, yeah I, that has to hit, get in your head. It has to affect your confidence. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually had never heard the Notre Dame thing before. Uh, you know, if if he was there, I mean, Notre Dame's not a world beater, but I'd imagine no. their offensive line is a little bit in better shape than ours is currently. I, so I, yeah, I'm I do sh- think he would have more opportunity. It, yeah, I just think it's an interesting thought, you know, because he he makes the decision to come back and pretty celebrated widely by UVA fans for coming back with a new coach, new offensive coordinator, his whole offensive line leaves him. And, but his wide receivers are still here. So I, I just think it's interesting. You know, it's, it's a fun. What if it's not really that fun, actually, it's like kind of sad, but it's just a, what if <laughs> it's a, what if, yeah. <laughs> so what, like, what if, what if we had our offensive line from last year? What if, we had the schedule last year. You know, so many, so many things could go wrong. But hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyway, Rob, with football, any last words, thoughts, feelings that you want to share? No, let's let's see how Thursday goes, and then we'll start to assess the second half of the season. They've got an opportunity to start to get things right, so... I'm hopeful coming out of a bye week, they'll be able to do so. With with the bye week, and then we have another long week because we're playing on Thursday, I'm, I'm yeah. hopeful we get some extra practice uh, before the big Miami game at 12.30 at Scott Stadium. That's right, man. <laughs> oh, what an awful time. I did not miss the 12.30 games. <laughs> yeah, we kind of we took for granted the good time slots we had the past few years. Oh, we really so did. The, you know, the like the the what was it like a 4 30 3 30 games so much better yeah even the late game like the seven and eight much preferred absolutely um because i got a place to stay in charlottesville so it's easy for me to drive down but it is what it is let's talk some basketball this is happy stuff let's end on a good note right blue white scrimmage happens on saturday and neither of us were able to make it i was out of town and rob was busy um in business school or were you home by that point? I was recovering from exam season. Yeah. <laughs> recover. <laughs> That's a good way. Not in you. Charlottesville, unfortunately though. Okay. I wish I could have been. But in any case, um, the men's and women's basketball teams uh, come out and played at JPJ. Uh, the women's team is actually looking really fun this year. You know, coach Mox has been doing great recruiting. We get uh Brunel back uh Virginia player of the year a few years ago uh was I think injured at Notre she was number one recruit in the country went to Notre Dame got injured and then um coming back to UVA so that's exciting some good recruiting coming in so she's drumming up uh, good stuff in Charlottesville and Tony Bennett has his best recruiting class since the Ty Kyle Dre J year um which is also exciting because we know how that ended uh, three years afterwards. So it's an exciting time in Charlottesville. Rob, how do you feel about you know basketball this year? Last year, we, we had a disappointing year, I think, to say the least. Uh, people kind of expected a little bit more out of the transfers, especially Armand Franklin, you know, not to not to he's gotten a lot of heat over the last season but you know the shooting wasn't there last year um 
you know, playing two point guards at the same time caused some strife with many UVA fans. And uh, just the offense didn't click all the time. But early on, we saw against that loss against JMU is just not not going to be one of those years. So how do you feel going into this year compared to last season? I mean, last season, we knew there was going to be some growing pains. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think we were all hopeful that Armand Franklin would deliver more shooting than he did. But, you know, I don't think anyone came in to last year expecting, you know, a Final Four berth by any means. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you come in and there's a lot of excitement, you know, especially from the freshmen. I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing is having the freshmen on campus, regardless of how much they play, I think there's a lot of optimism. Because like you said, we haven't had a class. I mean, four-person class is big in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And not to mention players of the caliber that they are i think there's a lot of excitement i would say there's also i have some intrigue i'm curious how this lineup is going to work you know you mentioned the reese kihei pairing there's no mm -hmm. reason to expect that's going to be any different this year but are they both playing 35 minutes a game is one playing 30 is one playing 28 you know yeah. or is armand franklin going to play exclusively the three is he going to play the two it seems like there's more shooting options for this team. You know, mm -hmm. Franklin really turned it on in the NIT. And, you know, it's kind of, it's not exciting to talk about it that way, but hey, maybe momentum from the NIT carries over, uh, yeah. at least shooting wise. You bring in Vanderplas, who's a pretty good shooter, not not a great shooter. I think I'm cautious that for people to not build him up more than he is. He's not a Sam Hauser level shooter, no. but he's more physical attacking the rim than Sam Hauser was. He mm -hmm. plays downhill more than that. So, you know, we're going to get accustomed to him and bring in the freshman. McNeely has a, a pretty dangerous outside shot if he can get going. Trout, I'm really curious how they're going to use him. He's got mm -hmm. an outside shot. So there's all these, like, chess pieces. And you bring back this experienced roster, the top six or seven guys or whatever it is. We're all a member of last year's team. So it's yeah. an experienced team, but there's these new exciting pieces. And if history is any indication, Tony Bennett's going to continue to lean on experience, but mm -hmm. it, it's that intrigue, that excitement, the new new shooting ability that hopefully this team has, which you know makes this pretty interesting as we roll into the season. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, when Tony has an experienced team, good things happen. Now, last year we had some experience. Yo, Kihei is the experienced guy. He's he's been here forever it seems like since the championship pre-covid kihei was yeah. on this team that that's saying a lot right uh so was kafaro i think actually yeah kafaro just redshirted the championship year yeah but still yeah. got a ring right yeah <laughs> but um but you but you you've got a team that's got experience and this year we have depth which is something that we did not have a lot of last year we didn't have a lot of depth at the two guard you know we were playing um uh, walk-ons sometimes during for for a lot of the season because we just didn't have depth at the guard spot which is not the case this year we we have a lot with several freshmen coming in who are expected to get minutes at that two guard and uh, even at the three guard too probably so we'll we'll see I, i'm really interested to see how tony uses the freshmen I think that's the key to the season because we kind of know what we're getting with the rest of the people, right? We know Armand's going to shoot it. Uh, he's going to make a lot of them. He's going to probably miss some too. Uh, and to your credit, to what you said earlier, I think, I think there's a lot of mental stuff to they go. It, it, shooting is all mental, right? And so if you see the ball go down a couple times at the end of last season, I think I'm hoping that's a spark for him and we know he can make it. Uh, he made a lot of threes at Indiana. He made a lot of threes towards the end of the season. So Armand's going to shoot it. I'm interested to see what these freshmen do. Um, in this era of NIL and transferring, there's uh, a free transfer for any player uh, at any time. They don't have to sit out. This is still the case. So I think the 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 worrisome part is that if – Tony doesn't spread the love through the throughout the freshmen. There's a chance that one of them leaves. Uh, if one of them, because you know, it used to be like with he redshirted DeAndre Hunter and Jay Huff, probably the two most interesting prospects, two of the most interesting prospects he's ever 
uh, recruited, probably. Dre was just a specimen, lanky, wasn't built yet. And Jay Huff was this unicorn kid from North Carolina who could shoot and dunk and block. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he uses them. How much does Isaac McNeely play at the two? Can he get minutes? He Can he steal some minutes from Armand or Kihei or, or Reese at the two spot? Does Trout get in there to, to spell uh, Gardner or Vanderplas at all? Or even, you know, if we go small, can can Trout play the five at some points with, without Shedrick or or Kafaro? And then those wing combo guards with Bond and Dunn, do they do they get any time as well? Because those I think those two, once again, are the most interesting prospects from these from these four because of their length and their ability to to drive and slash and shoot. But I don't know how much time they get at the, the three spot because can they play the defense? Are they gonna be able to score? Uh are they are they ingrained in the offense enough? So I think it's a really interesting question of how Tony's going to use the four freshmen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And to me, the most interesting two storylines that I'm following coming into the season, the freshmen play parts in both of them, but mm-hmm. one is the two guard spot. How does that mm-hmm. work out? You know, like we said, the Rehay, gosh, Rehay, <laughs> that's I too like long. Rehay <laughs> Reese pairing. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, you know, we know the positives and the negatives of that. So does that get broken for lack of a better word? Does anyone come in and seize a two guard spot? And, you know, I'm curious how that'll play out. And that affects the three as well. As we know, the two and the three guard in our system are mm-hmm. pretty similar. Um, but then the front court as well, you know, Caden Shedrick by all accounts seemed to has taken a big leap. And I feel like we say that every year at this point, but hopefully yeah. this year it's actually true. You know, yeah. he's, he's battled injuries and illnesses throughout his career. So I'd love to see him really take off, but the, the bigger thing is really the Gardner Vanderplas scenario. And mm-hmm. I think Gardner's going to start, um, but Vanderplas is going to play a lot. And is there ever, are there matchups where Vanderplas plays more than Gardner or vice versa? Are there ever scenarios yeah. where they're on the floor at the same time? Mm-hmm. Cause they kind of played the same position just in two different ways. So those are the two spots I'm really looking at. Really it's the two spot and the four spot that I think yeah. are, are the most interesting, but the freshman, Hey, McNeely can earn minutes at the two. That's exciting. And mm-hmm. you know, trout can earn minutes at the four. That's exciting. So, but I think those are the two areas where I'm spending the most time watching. And, and you know, the three spot too, I think is really interesting because right now we've got one guy. I mean, Tane, Tane Murray is the guy at the three spot right now. Um, besides Franklin, if Franklin's probably going to start at the three guard, but Tane can come in and spell at the three. Do, do Leon Bond or Ryan Dunn get some three time? Can Vanderplas play at the three at all? Or is he too big? for the three, you know? So I think there's some interesting questions there too. We could go really small or really big with these lineups. I think there's a lot of versatility that Tony has. I think those freshmen and, and Vanderplas as well bring, bring to the table. Now I've got a scenario for you and I want you to hear me out. I think there's a lot of places in our lineups where there's like two guys that could play the spot. Right? So, if Tony Bennett, he's not going to do this, but if Tony Bennett were to platoon. I was waiting for you to say that word. I, I know, I can see, you, yeah, I saw your face light up. You knew where I was going. Kentucky, I think 2015, right? Yeah. Um, platoon system. They had like you know, six future NBA players on that team. Something crazy. Uh, what would your two starting lineups be? For the platoon system. Oh man! Now um, I, it's our gut. I don't want to overwhelm you because I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't tell you about this, but I've played this game with a couple people. I played with my buddy Somil. Saw this weekend. I played with our friend Austin Foster, your roommate, uh, who is in town last week. Um, yeah. Let's start with the easiest part of the platoon system: the point guard. I think. Immediately, you split up Kihei and Reese. Yeah. I think that's the first thing you do with the platoon system. Now, the two guard, who do you put 
with Kihei and who do you put with Reese? Yeah, see, this is where it gets hard because I think it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to split into two teams. It's just yeah. who goes with who. And who, um, works, who works together, right? Yeah, with Reese, I'd probably want to put Franklin. Okay, why? Because Reese doesn't have as consistent of an outside shot, and I feel like Franklin would complement that. Whereas Kihei, okay. Kihei, you know, isn't the best shooter in the world, but mm-hmm. if you're handing out open threes, I'd rather have Kihei shoot than Reese. Okay. What do you think? Uh, see, I was I always thought you should put, well, always. I, I've been saying I think Kihei and Armand would work well together and Reese and Isaac. I'm thinking mostly on defensive terms because, yeah. because Isaac, I think Reese is the better overall defender than Kiki is a great defender, but I think Reese is a little bit better. He's more versatile. Yeah, I um, Isaac's going to need that help especially uh, switching stuff at first. So I think that it's easier to put Reese and Isaac together. You could also think about if you're worried about shooting, you could put Vanderplas at the four with Reese and Isaac, and you could put Trout with them as well. Although defensively, that sounds awful. So there's, I think there's different ways. You could put Tane at the three with them for some shooting. I don't know. I think this is an interesting, I think it's an yeah. interesting game. Give me a week and I'll come back to you on this, man. A week, I need to okay. think this through. <laughs> All right, we'll do it next week. Well, okay, next week we're going to do two things. One, we're going to grade the football team, which we're really excited <laughs> kind of about. dreading that. <laughs> and two, we'll do uh, the platoon system, okay. which I, like I think is good. Um, now, okay, here, this is kind of cheating, but this is what the starters were for the blue-white scrimmage. Team one was... Kihei, Armantane, Jaden, and Isaac Trout. Team two was Reese, Isaac McNeely, Bond, Vanderplas, Shedrick. Kafaro was out with, um, I think, an injury or something. He wasn't dressed. But um, you can include him in your starting lineup if you wish. Okay. So think about we'll it. Sleep on it. We'll come back to it. Okay. Any last basketball thoughts since we're not we're not gonna spend another hour talking <laughs> talking about this? We probably could. Uh yeah. no, I mean what? So we're under three weeks away from tip off. Mm-hmm. So a difficult season, a difficult schedule, that is. Um, but as we said, senior heavy team, you know, technically there's five seniors on this roster. Three mm-hmm. of them have are will be totally out of eligibility after this season, that being Kihei Clark, Jaden Gardner, and Ben Vanderplas. Uh, I guess technically Kafaro and Franklin could both come back. They have eligibility to do so, but as a senior heavy team and you're going to be rolling into the following season with a lot of your core guys no longer there. So mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting dynamic at play here where yeah, it's senior heavy, but are we also preparing for the future too? And I think, you know, some of that will play itself out based off of how this team plays. And uh, I mean, obviously listen, you're, you're trying to win every game, but I do think it's going to be interesting to kind of think through as the season rolls along. All right. Do we want to get the freshmen more time here? Do we want to prepare them for this scenario? Mm Because Tony Bennett plays to win, but he also plays for, uh, he likes to put guys in situations and he's not going to do so at the expense of winning. But you know, if you remember after the UMBC loss, he said, we're not going to put a senior on the podium. We're going to put, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome on the podium because they're coming back and they can learn from this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of an overarching storyline I'm looking forward to following. But I'm sure more news will come out as uh, as we get closer to tip off under three weeks away, like we said. Uh, what, so UVA is number 18 in the AP poll, number mm-hmm. three in the ACC preseason poll, mm-hmm. both of which sound about right. Jaden Gardner is second team all ACC. Uh, so, you know, things are kind of lining up as we expected them to. So I'm just excited to see, see what we got this year, man. It'll be good. We'll, we'll probably do a season preview in a few weeks. Just look at the schedule, look at some heavy parts of the schedule, some places to, to look at and it'll be good. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think that's pretty much it today. I want to give a quick shout out to, Three guys recently got new contracts in the NBA. Um, Mamadi signed a two-way with the Cavs, so that's a fun team for him to be on. 
Uh, DeAndre Hunter signed a four-year extension, $95 million. So congrats to Dre on, on getting, I think, well-deserved money from the Hawks. And then the other one was, oh, I lost it. Who are you? It's, oh, Ty. Ty is signed a two-way with the Warriors. So uh, good yeah. job, Ty. I Ty think just it, chilling in the background on yeah. the Draymond Green video. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just thinking about that. If you haven't seen the Draymond Green video of him punching Jordan Poole, Ty is just standing there like, I'm not getting in the middle of that. Like, yeah. I'm staying far away. <laughs> He's just kind of chilling. But uh, it's funny. Anyway, congrats to those three. Uh, we'll definitely keep a lookout. A lot of a lot of UVA guys in the NBA this year. Um, yeah, they really should. And Tony Bennett's pumping that up. Did you see the yeah. interview he had with uh, On3 where he was kind of mm-hmm. touting their success and how it's hard, how he thinks it's hard for people to negatively recruit against them? Yeah. I liked it, man. It was kind of fiery. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got we got people from all over Tony's Tony's stuff. Clay Thompson, uh, people forget, yeah. was a Tony prodigy. You got people from Malcolm who is – with the Celtics this year, people saying he's going to have a big year with the Celtics to, to Sam Hauser, who also on the Celtics, but he's uh more of a newcomer and Trey Murphy coming up with the, uh, with the Pelicans. They should be fun this year. Joe Harris, he's injured, but nets. I don't know if they're going to be as dysfunctional this year or not. Uh, <laughs> and you know, some, some role players in Anthony Gill and Braxton key on the wizards and Pistons respectively. So you know, nine guys in the NBA right now. So pretty, pretty fun time to, to watch some hoops. Yeah, no doubt, dude. Plus all the guys overseas too. There's, oh yeah, there's good professional representation for UVA out there. Yeah. Uh, overseas there's, um, Mike Scott just signed an overseas deal with, um, Nancy, Nancy basket. I don't know what that is. <laughs> they look uh french i think i don't know um kyle guy overseas doing well and akil mitchell devin hall playing overseas a lot of guys i don't a lot know of if success. mike toby's still playing but mike toby was doing mm. well overseas as well, well he was on the Slo- slovenian national team so he was playing with luca all all summer oh that's right i forgot about that yeah so mike toby is like doing pick and rolls with Luca and and getting baskets with it. So it's pretty, pretty fun to watch that. So anyway, good stuff happening with UVA basketball, excited for the season, much more fun than UVA football right now. We'll see on Thursday though. So with that, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at guys and ties pod. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content at guys and ties pod. You can give us a follow on Spotify or iTunes. If you want to keep listening to us and we will see y'all hopefully next week. Yeah. Past two weeks. We didn't get one out. Rob's super busy with finals and I'm all over the place. So uh, we apologize, but we'll try and get one out next week. Next time we are going to do this, this platoon talk. And I think it's going to be a fun conversation. So go who's be Georgia tech. Boost. just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself so do things the better way bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates Northbrook, Illinois